0: The ideas, procedures and suggestions contained within this podcast are not intended as a substitute for consulting with a medical professional. All matters regarding your health and fitness require medical consultation and supervision. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes the lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country.
1: All right. So, Dr. Longyear, thank you so much for being on the Warrior Wellness podcast. And I'm so glad to finally address this issue because we have never actually had a podcast talking about the brain. And <laughs> this is a really important topic, not only just for everybody, because we all have brains, right? And that's important. But um, especially for our uh, military and first responder um, audience for this podcast, and I, you know, I have definitely had a couple of brain injuries in the military, so that's pretty common. So you are the expert. So I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for being here.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Something I uh, I love to talk about. I'm a little biased. I think the brain is important. You only get one. Um, <laughs> figured out how to do a brain transplant yet although I know a couple people we could put at the top of that list um but uh yeah so we got to take care of the one that we have for sure
1: exactly yeah yeah and that's you know and that's kind of what you and I do both you know in our own ways right like I work with people on their their you know their movements and getting their body composition right and their nutrition and um, you know, you work with people on maintaining that, that very important thing we call the brain because without, um, a, a functional brain and kind of everything else goes by the wayside, right?
2: Yep. Yeah. And movement, you know, movement is life, right? It's the biggest driver to our brain health too. So, you know, a lot of, you know, especially very purposeful movement, like what I know you do with people, um, having that focus and that intention behind what they're doing and, and how they're doing it is huge for, for that that prefrontal cortex and kind of getting through a lot of things. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And even um, it's funny that you just mentioned the prefrontal cortex with two things. So there's so much like new, you know, kind of breaking research on gut health and how, you know, it's now being touted as it's our second brain and, you know, how nutrition plays such a role in the functioning of our body in general, but how, you know, it's, our, our gut health is, you know, basically functioning very similarly to a brain. And actually our, our intestines have neurological types of tissues in them and they're just discovering this. So I'm sure that you're, you're fascinated by that too, with what you do.
2: Yeah. I, th- I thought it was interesting the first time I learned that most of the neurotransmitters, uh, which are the chemical signals that your brain uses to communicate kind of cross and back and forth, are actually created in the gut. Serotonin, um, most mm-hmm. of your serotonin is actually created in your gut, and that's our feel-good neurotransmitter. And I, you know, we all feel really good and, and happy after we eat a big meal, especially when it's with family or friends. Um, but it brings new meaning to that. Uh, kind of why we feel happy and why we feel that reward and why we feel those those good feelings around having a nice meal with friends
1: yeah uh, yeah
2: it's great too but
1: yeah. but yeah and how those systems get out of whack pretty quickly where we we are turned too much towards food as a reward system I just got off the phone with a client we were just talking about that <laughs> I said it we've got to work on your reward systems food can't be the only thing <laughs> Because obviously you're having too much and now you're seeing me because you're overweight. So, yeah, (laughs) that's how, how, you know, our, even like our neurological kind of firings can control our behavior, quote unquote.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is food is the most overused drug in our society and exercise is the most underused treatment. Um, Mm. I think that plays, you know, that's very much an addictive nature to food or, or any, a lot of different things, right? Anything that gives us pleasure, um, especially in the midst of a TBI or, or, a, or PTS or stress mm-hmm. or anxiety, because it drives us into those parts of our brain that are much more, you know, you've ever heard that person that says, I have an addictive personality. Um, the reality yeah. is they don't have a frontal lobe. So everything is, is addictive in that person or in that way. Um, yeah. And that's the big thing that TBI and, and some of those other things really affect or, or kind of take away from us.
1: Yeah. And I always say, I, you know, I'm a mental health counselor too. And, and, you know, I think what I do between mental health counseling and nutrition coaching and fitness coaching is I spend 95% of my time just getting my clients to slow down the processes enough, their arousal processes enough to be able to tap into that frontal uh, cortex thinking because 95% of the time they're not. They're, they're in their, their, you know, kind of uh, fight or flight, you know, thinking and, and just reaction, 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 and no forethought into, you know, how the things that they're doing are impacting their health and their wellness. And yeah. if we could just slow things down a little bit and, you know, get that physiological and, and psychological arousal down that we can finally maybe tap into that frontal cortex. So we're definitely going to talk a lot about how you help your clients do that. So I love that we just kind of went right down that <laughs> rabbit hole.
2: Jumped into it. We're like prefrontal cortex gets you all excited. That's good. We get to yes,
1: go. exactly. <laughs> so let's back up before we get into that stuff. Um, you have a really interesting story about how you ended up doing what you do today. So can you just uh, tell us about that?
2: Yeah. Um, I ended up in healthcare. It was never really my intention. Um, I was playing football in high school my sophomore year, and I got hit catching a pass. And over the course of a couple of days, I had some inflammation in my spine and actually ended up paralyzed uh, from the injury, from the football hit. And initially the doctor said that I would never walk again. Uh, thankfully, my neurologist wasn't, uh, I mean, he was bright, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't. Uh, didn't have his crystal ball on tight enough when he was looking at it for my case, because I walked out of the hospital about a month later uh, and was able to kind of beat the odds and, and push through a lot of things. Uh, and then, you know, did a, a lot of really intense rehab for a year out of the hospital to, to be able to walk again. And, and um, actually ended up playing football again, had to forge my doctor's note for that one. It wasn't wasn't fun at the end of the season when they figured that out. But um, so, you know, I ended up walking out of the hospital doing that. And then I ended up, you know, down the road of working in in the way that I work now, because about a year later, even after I was walking, I didn't have any feeling from about my chest down, my nipple line down, almost exactly. Um, I didn't have hot and cold or pain sensation until the first time that I I just kind of went to our neighborhood chiropractor. Uh, because all my friends were doing it through football and and things of that nature so and he adjusted me that night and I went home and I was making a shower and I put my foot in the shower and I'm like oh crap that's too hot and then I was like wait a minute oh crap that's too hot I could feel it again Mm. Um, so it was a full year later when I got adjusted by this guy and he activated something at the time I didn't know what was going on right I was 16 went and talked to him and he gave me some spiel that went over my head at the time and um, so that kind of put me on my path of, of healthcare and kind of wanting to work with patients. And then when I got to chiropractic school, I found, you know, the understanding of the brain and the nervous system, just fascinating because trying to unravel my story. Cause you know, even this was years later, by the time I got to chiropractic school, they still didn't really have a working diagnosis for me. I had three different diagnoses from three different hospitals that I went to, or that my records went to, uh, and I, you know didn't really have a lot of answers so I kind of had to dig deep on my case and figure out what had happened to me and and all of that and came out uh came out took the red pill went all the way down the rabbit hole and ended mm-hmm. up with giant spinning chairs and all sorts of fun stuff to uh the way that I always refer to it as affect neuroplastic change in patients and in the brain which is basically what that adjustment did for me
1: so, yeah yeah and that I mean just your version of what you do is just so unique and we're going to talk about all the cool stuff with you know all the cool equipment you have in your clinic and I've been uh, fortunate enough to, to visit your clinic and and see some of that stuff in person it's really fascinating so we'll talk about that but so can we just talk about who needs to come see you so we think of chiropractic and we think oh you just go in and get your back cracked and your neck cracked and then you leave right that's not what you guys do there. You do something so unique and you are focused, you know, primarily on the brain and brain functioning. So can you kind of describe a little bit, like you're not just a crack back clinic, you know. So can you describe what you do there at your clinic?
2: Yeah, we're definitely a little more specialized, a little bit of a niche practice. Um, you know, like we, like I said, I'm going all the way down the rabbit hole and really just kind of studying neuroscience and, and really neuro rehab. Um, You know, my wife and I both practice together. And we bring different pieces to the puzzle as well. She works more kind of on the emotional side of things. And I work more through the movement based uh, aspect of what we do with people and, and we work a lot through the eyes. We often joke and you know, we get that asked that question a lot like who should come see you because you're definitely a specialty clinic and I'm like well anybody with a brain. Uh, which doesn't include everybody. But-
1: <laughs> yes, that's true nowadays,
2: for sure. Yeah, for the most part, everybody can use a little bit of tweaking. But you know, my specialty, what I've done a lot with is sports injuries, things like concussions and brain injuries. Uh, I worked in a clinic almost exclusively with Navy SEALs for a little while coming right out of school. So we mm-hmm. did a lot of work with blast injuries and PTS. Um, and we do a lot of work. And this is something that we almost kind of stumbled upon with depression and anxiety, um, we were doing a lot of work with athletes and what we found was it, you know the hallmark for a concussion or a head injury is actually more emotional than it is physical
0: uh yeah. it's
2: not really the headaches and dizziness although that's a piece but if you i don't know if you remember junior seau um he was the a hall of fame linebacker for the san diego chargers and he had a concussive injury after concussive injury after concussive injury, we ended up deciding to take his own life. Uh, And when he did it, he did it in a very specific way, kind of graphic, I don't mean to be, but he shot himself in the chest. Mm -hmm. And in the note that he left, he wrote that he did that for a very specific reason because he wanted to preserve his brain and sent, and he asked that his brain be sent to the brain bank in Boston, where they were doing all the cutting edge research on concussion at the time to evaluate what football had done to his brain. And he mm-hmm. said it almost exactly like that. Yeah. Um, so the hallmark, and I think the big one that often gets missed is the mental health piece with TBI and brain injury. Um, and if you look at the literature, they almost don't even differentiate PTS in the effect on the brain and TBI concussion. They have mm-hmm. very similar effect. Mm-hmm. And when you take you know, military, you kind of add both of those, it's like a double dip for the brain injury or the brain trauma. Um, And what we started to notice with patients was they would come in and they would score really bad on a depression, anxiety, and stress symptom score. And they also couldn't do a one-legged stand or touch their nose without kind of shaking or missing altogether. Mm. Um, And then when we would make their one one leg stand better or touch their nose better, their depression also got better. So we started to realize and now research has shown us why, but when you have bad physical balance, you also have bad mental and emotional balance. Oh. But when you improve physical balance, you actually improve that mental emotional balance. And the cerebellum, the part of the brain in the back here, behind the, um, in the back of the skull, is actually the part that's responsible for both. Uh, so we, we do a lot of work as a result of that, You know, through the head injuries and that, We ended up doing a lot of work with depression, anxiety, and getting some really cool results. And uh, we're actually involved in a research project with Life University in Atlanta, uh, working through that right now with um, a pretty good-sized patient population.
0: Introducing the new Fireteam Whiskey Fitness and Nutrition app. Everything you need to get fit and lose weight right at your fingertips. Choose from hundreds of fitness videos and fitness plans. Search for workouts by fitness level, equipment available, or body part focus. Choose from several nutrition plans and customize your macros. Your entire fitness, nutrition, and wellness plan all scheduled on your calendar text a trainer anytime for tips, tricks and motivation. Achieve your fitness and health goals with the Fire Team Whiskey app. Go to www.fireteamwhiskey.com to get 2 weeks of results for free.
1: Wow, yeah. And and the stuff you guys do is just so cutting edge and and you know at the forefront of really just Being able to help because back in the day, I'm sure you experienced this. It was just kind of like, oh, you got a concussion. Okay, take it easy for a little while. And that was it. I mean, that was the treatment. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, you know, don't play football for for two weeks. (laughs) You know, it's like now, like you have so many things that you can do now that you do every day with your patients. So can you um, just describe some of those things that you might do with a patient who's had a, a brain injury in your clinic?
2: Yeah, so we kind of start, we do a pretty extensive exam on them first and see exactly what's going on. Uh, we look a lot at three, three kind of main buckets and, and really with a fourth one, that's its own bucket. But uh, we look at balance and coordination, uh, oculometrics or how the eyes move, how well the eyes move, and then we look at cognition and I'll put cognition and mental emotional together uh, because when we have problems with cognition and cognition being like how fast your mental processes are or how well you can do things when we have issues with that we also have issues with mental and emotional regulation. Um, so that that bucket kind of is a big bucket, but still one of the buckets and then you've heard the saying the eyes are the window to the soul.
1: Yeah. They're also
2: a direct picture of the health and function of your brain and your nervous system. Um, So we look really closely at, you know, follow my finger and how fast are your eyes and how well do your eyes respond to light? uh, Because they give us a really good picture of what's going on with the brain. Uh, And then the balance and coordination, obviously things like one-legged stand. So we measure all of that stuff. And... We take all of those and we put it together and find out kind of what area of the brain has been most affected. And then we design very specific rehab programs around that. Uh, It looks like games and we always joke because Dr. Meg does a lot of the emotional work and I do a lot of games. So I always say she's (laughs) gonna make you cry and then you're gonna come have fun with me and we're gonna have a blast. Um, So she (laughs) does some some work around the mental emotional side with things like neuroemotional technique, EMDR. And then I literally like, we got all sorts of fun tools you can kind of see the spinning chair behind me um, so we actually you know movement is great but very specific movement can be very specific for various parts of the brain and nervous system so the the gyro stem is the piece of equipment that we use where i can actually very perfectly move you through a specific plane that allows me to activate very specific parts of the brain and nervous system um, we might do things like, I've got a vibe plate over here to my left. I'll put you on a floor that kind of vibrates and shakes, which feeds the brain with all of that information. And then we might play a little catch with tennis balls. At the same time, I might put flashing goggles on you so that I cut down your visual system so that your brain has to predict and react better. Um, you know, and those are just some examples of some of the therapies we do. We do a lot of work with different color uh, glasses as well. Um, to decrease the amount of sensory input you're getting in or, or even increase it in some ways. And a lot of balance work, but it literally looks like a lot of games. I mean, if you could, if I picked my screen up here and kind of showed you around, I got a couple deck of cards underneath me. I got just about every color of the rainbow tennis ball right here too. Uh, lots of balance platforms. we got a little surfboard looking thing over my shoulder there next to the gyro stem to do coronal plane movement and balance work. Uh, and we do a lot of it with vision focused um, to drive the eyes and drive that system as well.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, what you guys do is just so neat. And I, I went through the evaluation and it's definitely not what you expect. <laughs> you are, you're playing, you're like moving your, you have a machine that follows your eyes and, uh, you know, tells you exactly what's going on and what limits you have. And I love how everything is so Science based. I mean, you, you have your, your, you know, initial evaluation and all those numbers and, and where you're deficient and what areas and then you're able to target that very specifically, and work on those specific things so and all the, the uh, manipulations that you do that's so neat. Um, what about with PTSD is kind of, it, it is it the same approach like you said it, it's, it's so similar, or do you do something different.
2: Well everybody's brain is a little bit different. so I would say that I don't know that I've ever had two patients that have ever gotten the exact same treatment program. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, you know as we treat things, if, when we make changes to the brain, it should happen fairly quick. It takes a long time to really hardwire some of those things in, but you'll see pupil changes, which is a little black part of the eye. They might get better or one might get bigger than the other. we're watching heart rate constantly, how people are breathing and moving. And a lot of those things give us input into, uh, in real time, how your system's working. So your treatment might change from the beginning to the end pretty vastly too. Um, but like with PTS and, and concussion, are you familiar with the amygdala? Yeah. The, it's a little almond sized uh, and shaped part of tissue deep within the temporal cortex on the side of the brain. And that's where fear lives. And in PTS, what they've shown with the research and in literature is that that area becomes very active when it shouldn't be. So it responds to things that it wouldn't normally respond to with a fear response. Mm -hmm. And so we call that amygdala escape or amygdala hijacking, when that gets all wound up and kind of runs the show. So with a traumatic experience, that amygdala can be heightened and become overworked and then can escape. Um, the part of the brain that's supposed to dampen and control that amygdala and tell it to wait until it's appropriate to, because you should have fear, right? Fear is a healthy response, mm-hmm. but an unhealthy, at an unhealthy time, it's escaping. And the part of the brain that should dampen and control that is that prefrontal cortex. Well, we also know that that's the area that's most often dampened or injured in a traumatic brain injury as well, especially mm-hmm. with the coup and the contra coup or the, the brain kind of sloshing around in the head. Mm-hmm. So you get kind of similar results or similar symptoms and similar manifestations of things, whether it was a traumatic experience that caused that amygdala to escape, which then weakens the prefrontal cortex, or you damage the prefrontal cortex, which isn't strong enough to now dampen or control that amygdala function. And then you, you know, with you know the person who's been through the traumatic experience. It's those traumas that keep reliving the person who's had the brain injury, or the head injury, it's seemingly benign things or unimportant things that start to cause that fear or that anxiety to rise up. So you get very similar crossover in those two conditions and it relates really to in one way or another, you lose the ability to control things with your brain um, or wait till it's an appropriate time.
1: Yeah and that's so fascinating. And I think what, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, even mental trauma, um, does biologically change your brain, which is kind of what you just explained. And, you know, it's not just, you know, well, I guess you could say it is in your head because that that is where it's from, but, you know, like there, there's so much misunderstanding about mental health and, you know, well, if you could just, change your thinking then you'll be fine and you won't be you know we won't have this mental health issue anymore but it's more so much more than that it's an actual biological physical issue going on within the brain tissue
2: yep yeah it's it's amygdala hijacking like if they if you look that up um the amygdala literally hijacks blood and resources and nutrition and becomes it kind of literally draws it to it so that you don't have as much blood flow and resources going to the prefrontal cortex and the cerebellum. And so your brain, your brain gets really good. Neuroplasticity is kind of a big word, but it's basically that your brain can learn to do things, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever your brain is really efficient at that too. Whatever you tell your brain to do on a regular basis, it will become more easily done and more automatic. So, and that's what we call neural wiring or neuroplastic change. Well, that can be good. And we can unwire things like anxiety and depression, or it can be bad. When you start to fear things, when you start to get anxious, your brain will get really good at that too. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, it's more apt to go to anxiety or depression and keep you away from things because that's safer it knows it'll at least live till tomorrow. It might not be good for, the, for it in the long run, but that limbic part of your brain is just worried about getting till tomorrow. It's things like food, uh, reproduction, shelter, those types of things. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily think with its higher centers to say, well, I might get the cookie right now, but in the long run, I'm gonna to have to run three extra miles to get rid of it kind yeah. of thing. It doesn't rationalize those things. It just worries about that immediate gratification. And if you do that repeatedly, or if a trauma induces that to happen repeatedly, then you're more apt to kind of wire that pathway and that will neuroplastically wire more quickly.
1: Yeah, 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 that's fascinating. So you wrote a book, it's called Never Accept Your New Normal, The Story of Using Your Neuroscience to Turn Trauma into Triumph. So who needs to read your book?
2: Um, Everybody.
1: Uh,
2: (laughs) Again, anybody with a brain, right? No, the book, I never, I'll be honest, I never intended to write the book. Uh, I never, you know, went through life and was like, I'm going to be an author someday. I actually don't enjoy writing all that much. (laughs) But you know, and I tell my patients this now, if you don't deal with your crap, it ends up dealing with you. Mm. Um, And I actually ended up writing that book because I woke up at 434 in the morning one day and tears were just streaming down my face and images of the stuff that I'd been through through my injury were just kind of running through my head. Um, And they didn't stop until I started to kind of write down what I was feeling and what was going on. and, And I literally was just taking notes on my phone. Um, And I went through a couple of nights like that, actually, as things kind of clawed its way. The book kind of clawed its way out of me. I didn't write it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and Before I knew it, I had like 10,000 words and I was like, I should organize this because, you know, some of this could maybe help somebody else. Uh, and you know, and then I also had, and at this point I was already doing what I do and I had some patient stories that I thought would help other people and kind of included in there. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a nerd. So I was definitely going to include some of the science behind what was going on in my story and what was going on in some of the patient stories. So, um, so yeah, the book is really geared towards people who are going through something, uh, or maybe have a family member going through something. And you know, in my journey and in, in a lot of journeys, I love that you said it's all in our head, right? We, mm-hmm. we, I get a lot of patients who have been everywhere and you know, doctors have either told them it's all in your head or this is as good as you're gonna get, I can't do anything for you. Yeah. I had a, a woman just yesterday bring in literally a, a grocery bag full of medical records. And she was like, yeah, this is everything they did. They did under every test under the sun and they say, there's nothing wrong with me. And you know, they're right. Like you said, it is all in your head, just mm-hmm. in a different way. Uh, it's, it's that neuroplastic wiring that's kind of gotten negative and gotten there. So um, the book really, I ended up putting it out there because I thought maybe people that were going through something or, or they've been told to accept their new normal, mm-hmm. don't. Doctors know, and me included, we know this much about the brain. And I mean, it changes daily and we're learning more every day. But the reality is I've seen people heal from some things and get over some things that I'll be honest, I didn't know was possible either. Yeah. And so that's where the, the title Never Accept Your New Normal comes from is don't let anyone put limitations on you or your child or your family member or anything about who they are and what they can become.
1: Yeah, awesome, yes. And so your clinic is in Jacksonville, Florida. And, but you, you did tell me that, I mean, people actually come from out of state. To see you because uh, what you guys do is so specialized and and making such a difference in their lives so certainly if you can travel to Jacksonville and and see Dr Longyear please do and the link to his clinic will be in the show notes but um, if that's not possible for people um, how could they look for uh, these kinds of things that you do in your clinic
2: yeah so functional neurology is kind of the the umbrella that I would put what we do under um, every clinic that does functional neurology operates a little bit differently. Uh, I have a lot of friends that uh, do what I do. I'm also part of a group called IAFNR. I'm on the board with the International Association of Functional Neurology and Rehab. Um, and we have a database of doctors who do what we do as well. So the IAFNER website, uh, iafner.org, or just reach out to our office. And if you can't make it here, I, I have friends that practice all over the country. Um, So I can probably put you in touch with somebody who's closer, if not in your town, at least uh, reachable in some way, shape or form. So
1: yeah, yeah. And I've already reached out to you guys for for a couple of uh, referrals and um, gotten that information. So that's been very helpful. Well, Dr. Longyear, that was so interesting. And um, I'd love for people to just check out the links. Um, If they can't get to your clinic, then maybe get somebody near them or at least pick up your book. I'll read a little bit more about that so I appreciate you coming on the warrior wellness podcast today
2: thank you for having me this is fun
3: hey guys thanks so much again for joining us on another episode of the warrior wellness podcast please make sure to subscribe follow like all that good stuff on your favorite podcast platform or and on our YouTube channel Go ahead and leave us a review while you're there. And if you screenshot your review, email it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com. With your name and address, you'll be entered into our drawing for a prize or just leaving us a review. So let us know what we're doing great, what you'd like to hear more about. And please go ahead and just give us a follow and give us a honest review especially on itunes because that helps us reach other military members veterans and first responders with this vitally important information about how to improve their health fitness and wellness we will see you at the next episode of the warrior wellness podcast i am your podcast host former army captain stephanie lincoln founder of fire team whiskey
0: are you Fire Team ready? Try the Fire Team Whiskey Spec Ops Keto Joe Shake. The Keto Joe Shake is a medium chain triglyceride MCT shake derived from non GMO coconut oil. It contains 17 grams of MCT, 10 grams of high quality whey protein, and no sugar. It's sweetened with stevia leaf, so you can keep those carbs low and shred that body fat. 25 milligrams of caffeine to give you extra energy for the gym or your busy day. Fireteam Whiskey has been supplying military members deployed all over the world with Spec Ops Shakes for over three years. Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops Shakes are fueling the fight. Whether you are just trying to lose a few pounds or trying to get that extra edge in the gym, the Fireteam Whiskey Spec Ops Shakes are for you. Make sure to stock up now and support our efforts to raise funds for Team RWB, our nonprofit partner that provides social support and fitness events for our nation's heroes.